Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with entrepreneur, author, speaker, mentor, and healthcare leader, Daniel Tribby. He has a vision to help healthcare entrepreneurs build a practice that serves its patients and sustains profitability for the long term. He has dedicated his career to improving the way healthcare entrepreneurs operate their business. His keynotes, coaching, and book feature surprisingly simple tips that business owners can implement immediately to improve their business and how it cares for its patients. We get into all of this and so much much more. Enjoy. Well, hey, man, it's great to meet you. And I want to begin our conversation with surviving the last three and a half years. How did you get through the pandemic and how did it change you? Well, um, from a, I think from a, from a personal standpoint, it changed me in the way that um, creativity, right? I mean, if, if you think about you know, obviously I live in Florida, so Florida doesn't have, didn't have the amount of restrictions that a lot of other areas around the world and, and, and even in the States had. Um, but you still weren't allowed to be in a lot of public places. You still weren't allowed to connect with people. Um, and as an extrovert, that's tough, right? Like I want, I want to be in a room with people. I want to connect with people. I want to talk. Um, the, the biggest thing for me personally was it gave me an opportunity to really get innovative with, how I can connect with people and how I can better connect with myself in those moments, right? So I think I read like 40 books in 2020 or something crazy like that and another 37 or so in 2021. Um, so it gave me an opportunity to do some some more personal growth stuff, which as a business owner, um, you know, your, your business is only going to grow to the amount that you grow as an individual, right? So the, the opportunity to grow, I wrote a book and published it during that time. Um, so finding more innovative ways to, to really plug in. Now, professionally, we, uh, as the owner of a, of a medical practice, the, the options were retract or push forward. Well, we own a cash-based practice. So the people that we work with are not the traditional, here's my insurance card, here's my driver's license, here's my $40 copay. Like we don't treat those kind of people. So knowing who it is that we operated for, I told my team, I said, we're not going to retract on the marketing. We're actually going to find ways to push more revenue into our marketing because what's going to happen is that the people whom we service these are you know mid-level um executives or entrepreneurs business owners these guys are not going to stop their businesses they're going to find ways to work remotely so they're going to have more time and they did and we grew 50 percent from 2019 to 2020 in overall revenue and another almost 40 percent in 2021 so and we emerged as the go-to center in central florida this practice was in orlando um, we emerged as the go-to center in Central Florida for regenerative medicine in the orthopedic world. So there was just a moment of knowing, okay, I know myself, I know my people. What do I what do I need to do to continue to drive forward and not retract? And you know, a couple of uh, lucky cards got flipped, and here we are. <laughs> so on paper, you're an author, mentor, business owner, entrepreneur. But if I was to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at career day, and one of the kids said, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" How would you answer them? Yeah, um, I would say probably business mentor. I think that's the thing that I fall in love with the most. It's um, educating people both on uh, the way they think about themselves and the way they think about their work and how to be successful in those platforms. Yeah. So what did you want to be when you were in the third grade? 
oh geez what did i want to be who knows probably some superhero <laughs> that's <laughs> some it family. yeah probably probably something of of that degree um i never never imagined that i was going to be a business owner that's for sure um but it was probably something the serial superhero fashion and a little bit later on it was uh i thought i was going to make it to the nba you know okay the 6'2", 200-pound guy didn't get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, let me ask you this. Take me back to where you were born and raised, and what were the seeds that were put into you that actually became an entrepreneur, a business owner, a mentor? Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Northern Virginia. Um, my, I was raised by a single mom who was a government employee, and so I was kind of drug around, you know, God's green earth uh, as a kid until I was 15. So I spent a lot of time in Europe. Um, I grew up in Germany and in Spain for probably half of the first 15, 16 years of my life before, wow. you know, settling in the greater Atlanta area and then now Florida. But that those years really... Um, they were tough at the time, right? Because you think about moving every two or three years and having to start over, make new friends, meet new people. That's a pain, right? Like that's hard on a on a teenager. Um, but looking back on it, I'm super grateful for it because it. What I learned was how to continually recreate when I needed to, right? If I needed to not be this person, I can be this person at the new at the new place, right? I can grow from this to this, right? I can make an identity shift if I needed to, um, but also how to get along with people of different cultures, like that's a really big thing. Um, you know, I wasn't. If you're from the South, a lot of times you you grow up on the in the same county that you know your grandparents and your parents and everybody else before them, cousins, nieces, nephews. Everybody lives in the same area. Nobody ever leaves. They stay right in that area, and so. Um, being the kind of person that grew up around different cultures and different countries, that's a hard place to fit in when you take that 15 year old and plant him into central Georgia, right? That's a little, little hard aspect um, to, to, to grapple with, but being an athlete um, helped connect, you know, like if you, if you're just an everyday person who just goes to school and doesn't do anything, it's, it's hard to meet people that are like you, but with sports kind of bring people together. Um, and when I went to college, I knew that I wasn't gonna make a career out of sports, but what I could make a career out of was being in the sports medicine world. So that's what I went into. Um, so I followed that path and, um, loved what I did, but hated the way that the healthcare industry was delivering its services to people. Right. I thought it was terrible. Like just the, the quantity over quality situation that so many people, get you know you go to a doctor's office to be you know wait for two and a half hours to be seen for five minutes to walk out the door with none of your questions answered going what the hell just happened yeah right see you in six weeks so and it's the same for us working in a physical therapy type of atmosphere seeing 25 30 plus people a day like how do you offer quality like transformational care right everything is so transactional at that point and um, no matter what I did in that field to try to make changes, it, there was always that corporate animal that was part of it. Um, and so when I left that, I was like, I'm never going back, right? I'm never going to go back to healthcare. I'm never going to deliver services again. I'm going to go into medical sales and I've never been a salesperson before, but we're going to see what happens, right? <laughs> and immediately had success, immediately moved up through the middle management level ranks, uh, fell in love with with still being associated with healthcare, but not having to provide services to people. 
um, ended up opening my first business as a 30 year old, 29 year old, somewhere in there um, in the medical sales world and had a lot of success early. And that's what caught the bug for me to be a business owner. And then it just was another potential thing after another. I got involved in stem cell therapy and, and, and regenerative medicine. And that led me to uh, joining up with a doctor and opening up our own regenerative medicine practice that centered around uh, stem cell therapy for you know back, joint, tendon, muscle, all those types of ligament issues, all those ways of healing people without the continued use of overprescribed medicine, unnecessary surgeries, repetitive doctor visits, all that kind of thing. Um, but as we built that business, um, I realized that a lot of people in healthcare had zero clue about how to build a business, right? We get taught how to offer healthcare services, right? We get taught how to, how to deliver something, whether it's a medicine or a therapy that helps people get better and reach their goals. But we're not taught how to build a business around that. And so the more I dove into building this practice and started the start in 2017, uh, the more I realized I didn't know enough. And so I just started dumping into myself, right? And that that growth thing is, is a huge value point for me. And so, and as we, as I grew myself, our business took off. I already told you the story about what happened through COVID. And the more that we grew, the more people kept asking me, how are you doing it? And I would give them information. They would look at me like a deer in the headlights, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> So I realized that there is a lack of information for healthcare entrepreneurs out there. So I was like, what can I do to help other people be successful? But at the end of the day, what can I do to help these clinics offer better care to patients? And so that's kind of the, the theme that took me into being a business mentor and speaking on stages and writing books and, and connecting uh, with people in this world, because I want, I believe that consumers in the healthcare world deserve a transformational experience, not the transactional experience that they're getting. So if I can help these private practice owners develop a business that serves people and also makes them money so they can get out of that entrepreneurial roller coaster of, you know, <laughs> my expenses are this much and I'm only making that much, um, then that's that's what I want to do. That's the the biggest mission that I can offer to uh, to the people that I work with. So the first job, so I went, I went to college to get into broadcasting and kind of had to change of heart and tried to figure out things when I got out. But the first job that I had when I got out of college was at a healthcare consulting firm. And I did uh, newsletters and graphic design, got grandfathered into IT because, you know, they, they were like, hey, let's figure this out. We'll save money. But I right. saw on the inside, my boss was a home home health guy. And everybody had their thing, you know, they had comprehensive outpatient rehab facilities, skilled nursing units and all these. And it was interesting to see how all of that came together because they were all practitioners, but they mm -hmm. were also making a lot of money and pushing this envelope of helping everybody else run their facilities better. So I had kind of a keen insight on how that worked. And that, that seems to me as though that was kind of the beginning of the boom of consulting, of getting in and kind of helping people figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, people like the Tony Robbins and the Brendan Burchards and, you know, those people of the world who are pushing this, be a coach, teach people what you know, because other people don't have it. You know, that I, I think coach is becoming a little bit of a weird buzzword uh, yeah. versus what we're talking about from a consulting, like a mentoring, like I'm, I've actually been here and grown the thing and I want to show you how to do it as well. I didn't just read a book on Saturday and now I want to teach you what yeah. the book says, you know, right. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of those names that you brought up, who's been a hero for you, an inspiration for you in your life? Well, 
It's probably not those guys. I've learned a lot from those types of individuals. I've taken a lot of courses and read a lot of books and, and done the things, but probably not those guys. It's it's more, I would say, my grandfather. Um, he was a he was a business owner. Um, him and his brothers had their own masonry business. So they laid brick and cinder block and poured mortar and built homes and shopping centers and all those kinds of things. Now, growing up, I didn't realize I knew what they did, but I didn't realize it was like their business, you know, like what it meant to have that business and, and to build it. Um, but, you know, uh, loved in the community, uh, big church going guy, um, you know, deacon in, in the church and, and just a uh, loved his family, loved people, uh, worked hard. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of life lessons that I still you know carry from him. He's been gone now for oh gosh, sixteen, seventeen years. Yeah. So, but yeah, that would be if if if, if there's a hero to be named in, in my world, it's that guy. So if you could meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be? Ah, uh, who would it? Be? Stuff I hadn't thought about. <laughs> you're getting on you're getting into my mind here joe we're getting we're getting you woke up this morning yeah no kidding um yeah my son did that for me at 6 45 yeah no i get it yeah. <laughs> uh anyone alive right now um how about we do this Let, let's let's switch up so, so you can think about this for a minute as an nba guy if you could go back in time and see one nba game one moment where do you want to be Oh, I want to see Michael Jordan make that shot in the finals against Utah. Uh, yeah. That yeah. crossover and that jump shot. Absolutely. I mean, just, and and you obviously saw the special on Netflix, the, the last. Oh days. yeah. The six or seven part. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he got that pizza and got deathly sick and still did that. Dude. Wow. I mean, come on. Who does that? Yeah. I, it's, uh. <laughs> It's, and they said that they think it was undercooked or, or, you know, he got food poisoning. They call it the flu, but they had food poisoning from that pizza. So they, yeah. they're thinking that it was done on purpose. Obviously, they can't prove it, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What what a what a bad set of karma for that dude that did that. Like, just, you, you tried to poison one of the most famous basketball players of all time. A guy that probably wouldn't hurt a fly. And you're, you're right. giving him a, it, it's weird. So, but it's lore. It, it, it adds to it. So. Yeah. I think, and I've read the book that um, was written by his, oh, who's the trainer that trained him? Um, he wrote a book about the same guy trained him and Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Uh, the I know who you're talking Relentless. about. I just can't remember the name of the author. Yeah. But uh, he talked about just the tenacity that both of those guys had, yeah. right? Just the, the will, the drive to close, to be the guy. And, you know, 85, 90% of the time, they were considered to be assholes because of that, because yeah. of that persona, because of that drive, because of that, I'm not taking any of your, your shit, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to, you know, step into this role because that's who I am. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of drive, what is that for you every day? What gets you up? What gets you to want to help people and to grow yourself as a professional? You know, I... I think it all goes back into values conversations, right? Which is what I think a lot of the majority of people don't don't consider is what are my values, right? What is it that I that I uh, will say yes to, and what are my hard no's, and what are the things that I'm going to put my stakes in? And for me, a lot of that is 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 the growth, right? I, I value the growth and the change, and um, if I didn't, I've like I would find myself sitting on my butt most of the time, not having any drive. Right? I would, I would be kind of the the lazy guy. Um, but at this point, 
there's a desire for growth. And if I have growth, then who am I not to share that with somebody else, right? Who am I not to pass that on? You know, I've been lucky enough and, and I'm super grateful for the success that I've had. And, and we sold that that practice that I told you about in, mm -hmm. in Orlando. We sold it last year for a huge multiplier. And, you know, so I, I could just sit back and count coins and, you know, be fine. But why? You know, there, there's got to be a purpose there, and that is to to continue to make changes in the healthcare industry. So, and if you have the power to do that, and you sit on it, then it's kind of like, you know, what what are you doing? I heard Brendan Burchard say this one time. He said something like, "If you, the day that you leave this earth and you're standing in front of your Maker and He asks you what you did with the gifts that He that I gave you, what are you going to say?" Yeah. And so it's like we all have a gift, and it's our duty to share it um with with the world and those who are are in need of it what's the best advice you've ever gotten the best advice um was from a, a dear friend of mine who uh, also passed uh probably 10 ish years ago um he it was at a time in my life when i was kind of up and down you're in that mid-20s and you're like i'm trying to figure this out but i don't really know what i'm doing you know and, and uh, he told me he said your problem is uh, he was an older, older guy, um, and he said, your problem is, is that you haven't decided what you will and won't accept for yourself. So and that was the first introduction to a values conversation. What, what will you accept and what won't you accept? And until you draw those hard lines, you're just going to keep bouncing back and forth because you're living in the gray. Yeah. So that was it. You know, Decide what you will and won't accept. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of youth and learning things if you had a dream tonight ran into that 20 year old version and you could give that version a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life up to this point what advice would you impart on that young version of you yeah listen to your gut um i passed up a lot of things um that i should have done um in light of what my head told me to do or not do right um, there's not a lot of things in life that I regret doing, but there's a lot of things that I regret not doing, right? Or or not taking the opportunity that was there. So listen to your gut. It's a much more powerful leader than your brain. And that's what Mark Twain said. He said, I don't regret what I did. I regret what I didn't do. So, yep. um, so of all of the things that you've accomplished and done in your life and evolved to at this point, what are you the proudest of? Being a dad. Um, I'm a single dad. I, um, my son's 12 and uh, he lives with me full time here in Florida. So uh, sixth grader, um, I grew up without the presence of my my father. Uh, I had one of those those selfish type of individuals. And so when I became a father myself, I was like, there's no way that I am going to be anything like that. Yeah. And so that's um, that's been one of my uh, my most proudest things or the most proudest things to be able to break some generational wounds there, right? Some generational gaps and to give him uh, something that I didn't have. <clears throat> so, yeah. So where do you see healthcare going? Do you think we're going to clean this up? Do you think there's levels <laughs> of the industry or what? I mean, what's kind of your take? <sighs> so with healthcare, I, I think you've got two, two things happening. You've got the business side of healthcare, which consumers don't understand. And you've got the consumer side of healthcare, which healthcare providers understand, but don't feel like they can do anything to change it um, because of big pharma and insurance companies, right? This is, those are the two things that have really crushed healthcare as a whole. Um, but I tell most people, if you can pay for your own healthcare 
stop using insurance. You're going to get better service when you go to concierge-based doctors. I know that a lot of people are going to say, well, that just sounds like it's for the one percenters. I'm like, if you make $30,000 a year, you're a one percenter. I hate to break it to you, but um, so until we get a grip on, on how insurances reimburse um, and until big pharmaceutical companies stop monopolizing healthcare, you're not going to see a lot of change, which is unfortunate. But I think that as in the healthcare provider arena, um, we have to get better at being business people. So here's here's essentially what's happened is you used to be able to go to the doctor, you get seen, you get service, right? Actual customer service, and the doctor gets paid. Okay. Now the amount that the doctor gets paid is far less. So the only thing that most healthcare providers, most doctors know to do is what they've been trained to do, which is treat people. So if I'm getting paid less to treat one person, that means now I need to treat three people, right? And then as it goes less and less and less, I need to treat five, six, seven, now 30, 40 people in a day, right? And so what's happened is because insurance rates have plummeted, these healthcare practices have to see a higher volume of people in order to pay the bills. So the reason you're waiting two hours to be seen is because of that reason right there, right? And then yep. people will complain right? The consumer complains, oh, I have to wait two hours, burn a whole day. And it's just so transactional. They just want my insurance card and they bill, they bill my insurance company $3,000. And I didn't even get to see the doctor for more than six minutes. And, and most of the time I had to talk to the nurse, right? So, but then when you come to a practice like mine and I say, well, insurance doesn't pay for this particular thing. We're an all cash-based practice. This is the cost. Well, why doesn't my insurance pay for this, right? So you get... It's like there's yep. there's no, the consumer is going to be, until they understand actually how it works, they are going to be upset. But as healthcare practice owners become more business savvy, they will start to realize that they don't have to increase volume. There are so many other ways to generate revenue to keep your practice moving other than increasing the volume of patients that you see. But surgeons want to cut. Primary care doctors want to help people with coughs and colds and boo-boos, right? Like this is what they're trained to do. So the only thing they know to do is to do more of what they've been trained to do. But if we can educate these private practices to understand how to run successful business models so that customers get real care and you can make money doing this without increasing your volume, then you're going to see a little bit of a change. Yeah. But if you can't do that, you're going to see more hospital systems buying up private practices that can't stay afloat. Yeah. So at the end of the day, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Uh, I think I'm a work in progress, to be honest. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, look at the, the accolades. Look what you've done. You know, you're 40, you'll be 42 this year and you've done this, this, and this, and this, and every, you should be proud of yourself. And, you know, I'm proud of the accomplishments. Um, but what was it? Was it um, Oprah ranked herself of like, what, 30 or 40% of her potential? You know, so we're always harder on ourselves, I think, than, than everybody else is on us, right? We're always our own worst critics. So, um, I see a guy who's who's been um, marching down a, a path, a lot of path of unknowns and has come out successful and has a lot of gratitude for those successes, but um, also somebody who's got still work to do 
and will continue to to grow in that regard and continue to help those that are in need of that help. So if anyone wants help, anyone wants to hire you, learn more about you, what do they do? Yeah, just uh, you can go to my website. It's just Daniel Tribby official. There's apparently another Daniel Tribby out there um, yeah. who stole my uh, <laughs> .com. So I had to put the official on the end of it. So yeah, if you just go to DanielTribbyOfficial.com, um, you can read more about me. You can schedule a call with me, um, learn more about the services that I provide. There's other Joe Dominos too. I got Joe Domino in the 90s, like mid 90s. There's a guy that owns the minor league hall of fame that's named the same thing. And sometimes I'll get the emails. I get the IR too. So it's fine. You know, it's, but I slid into home first. So it's good. Hey, there you go. That's all that matters. That's it. Hey man, it was nice to meet you. Thanks Likewise. for your story. It's fascinating. Have a great 2024. Joe, thanks, man. You do the same. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.